Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where the age of men is over and the time of the orc has come. And also we analyze the movie Return of the King one minute at a time. <laughs> I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. <laughs> uh, and today we're talking about Minute 73, which starts with um, the uh, Gondorian soldiers galloping the heck out of Osgiliath. And it ends with um, a Nazgul just, you know, swooping in and grasping a dude. He's about to grasp him by the husk. Yes, by another another man. Ma- R.I.P. Madril. Right. This uh, this minute is full of violence. Yeah. Much violence was had. I think the, the more violent the minute, the less we have to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It takes Madril a while to die. Yeah, he takes him like 20 seconds. It's like 19, 20 seconds in when he finally bites it and his, his pupils dilate and he stops moving. Yeah. Just... Why do we focus on, um, what's his face? Uh, Gothmog? Gothmog. Is the orc's name. Why do we focus on his gross hand twice? There's like a twitch. Yeah. Before he grabs the spear. The orc that he grabs the spear from is just like not ready for it. He kind of has this look on his, on his face initially. Of that was my spear. <laughs> I doubt that he's gonna say he, anything about it though. No, absolutely not. Um also when he stabs when Gothmog Gothmog stabs Madril, um that same orc looks on with both fear and appreciation, I think. Yeah, he's his mouth's hanging open, he's uh... He makes that weird like orc approval noise. Like, ever so slightly nodding his head. Yeah, like the weird scratchy squawk yeah. thing they do. So, uh, <laughs> Lawrence uh, Lawrence Mockery, Mockery the, the guy that plays Gothmog and Lurtz and the Witch King in the... Oh, in, dang. Yeah. Wow. In the, in the He's comments, busy, this movie. Yeah, he did a whole lot. <laughs> they needed a really expressive guy under prosthetics and he was going to be focused. She's so like, let's get Lawrence to do it. Peter Jackson just like says a lot about how good of a performer he was for getting so much emotion through such thick makeup yeah. and prosthetics. So he's just Peter Jackson's all about this guy. So he he's Gothmog and he talks in the commentary really quickly. He's on the cast commentary for a bit that when he did this, he couldn't really see where he's supposed to stab very well. Oh god, that's scary. The the guy playing Madril just had a space between his chest and his arm for him to stab down with the spear. It was right, a plastic spear. Right. It wasn't a real one. Yeah, but still. But still. It's just, you just go oh, for God. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to hurt. It's just, luckily I did it, he says in the commentary. So. Just accidentally impaling your coworkers. An old man was not actually stabbed in the chest <laughs> for the making of this motion picture. Thank God. Right? Just, you know, people got broken toes and ankles and whatever else. <laughs> You know, just just a friendly impaling. Yeah, just ever so friendly. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Gothmog is so awesome. <laughs> he 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 has the most personality out of any of the the villains in these movies, except for perhaps Saruman. 
yeah, it's Saruman. I think, like, Gothmog, I think, even has more personality than the Witch King does. We don't really get enough of the Witch King. The Witch King isn't supposed to have a personality. I, you know, I, I, I guess... like, it's, it's like a, a husk inside of a suit of armor. Right, but if, if it's it, the halfling she-elf. <laughs> but if it doesn't, uh, like, if your villain doesn't have enough personality to stick, some amount of the impact is kind of lessened, I think. What do you mean by personality, though? Like, in a monster movie... Um, or not a monster movie, like a, like a kaiju movie. Yeah. The monsters have distinct personalities. Do they? Yeah. They tend to. It's like, especially in Godzilla movies, like all the monsters have really like specific behaviors that they have. Do they talk? No, but people talk about them and they act in ways that display certain kinds of personality traits. Like, some monsters but, are more okay. timid, and some I monsters are more Godzilla, aggressive. I thought Godzilla's supposed to be the main character in those, right? Yeah. But that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like, maybe in, like, an American kaiju movie. No, no, in Japanese ones. Like, the monsters are really, are, like, pretty much characterized. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, what I'm, what I'm talking about is, like... Oh, oh, you mean a movie... Well, I would argue that even in a movie like, um... Like, Alien or Predator... Like, uh, the the monster is really well characterized. It has a distinct kind of feel and personality to it. Does it? It's just a big scary thing. Oh I've never no! Never seen Predator. Oh no! I mean, Predator is you're you're fighting a, a super Klingon. Uh, I don't want to. Predator I is pretty much a super Klingon. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't say that the Xenomorph had a personality. Oh, it absolutely does. What are you on? It's slinking and predatory and because cunning. Because it's a crazy, scary monster, and that's what it does. Oh, but it's smart, and it's clearly smart. I wouldn't. I would not say that the xenomorph has a personality. Oh, I absolutely I'm would. I'm sorry. Oh, I absolutely would. I think it has a characterization in the way the movie's put together. That's different. at least the first one. That's different. Aliens is a little different because aliens is a there's, there's a bunch of characterization and a personality is different. No, I, I would say the xenomorph has a the first xenomorph has a personality. There, it's it's got distinct features that set it apart from other like others of its kind later on in the franchise. The first one is different. Okay, um, what's a movie with a big monster that you? That we've both seen. Like, Clover has a personality. Cloverfield? Yeah. That monster has a personality. No, it does not. It's a big freaking monster. No, that monster has a personality. Just in the last scene, it tells you, like, that that last moment and, like, little bits throughout the movie, that monster has a personality. I don't even remember the last scene of the movie. It, like, gets the close-up on the guy's camera finally. You, like, really see its face. Like, they run out into the... Spoilers for Cloverfield, I guess. Whatever. That movie came uh, out over ten years ago. Like, the... The guy finally, like, drops the phone or the camera or whatever he's got doing all the recording throughout their run around the city. And the monster, like, leans over the camera and it's looking right down at it. And it, like, sniffs at it. Does it? And almost looks like it smirks before the camera cuts. That's, no, that's nonsense. That's not, not, watch it again. I. That monster has a personality. It does not. It's a big alien monster. Animals have personalities. Right, I'm not talking about animals. I'm talking about big, scary monsters. A personality and a presence are different. I feel like the Witch King has presence and not a personality, and I don't feel like that hurts the thing at all. See, I feel like the Witch King's presence always felt like it wasn't grand enough. Really? Yeah. I like the Witch King, don't get me wrong. It's just, compared to some of the other stuff in these movies, 
the Witch King always felt like it should have been, like like he should have been grander. Like we get that really cool establishing shot with him, with his, on top of his his Hellhawk, over the Morgul Vale when the orcs march out and stuff. Yeah, like it's a cool establishing shot. But really, what does the Witch King do? But we've seen the we saw the Witch King before that. Yeah, he, he stabs a, Frodo. The Witch King has a presence throughout the trilogy. He's not really in the Two Towers. He might be the one that flies over the Dead Marshes. I think he is. But that's the the like the only scene of an Asgul in that movie, really. Right. But until like the very the, end, the threat of it, I think. Yeah, there's this this looming threat of the Nazgul. Plus but I think the like. You, I, sorry, what were you going to say? I think the presence that the Witch King has is largely supported by the presence of the Ringwraiths as a unit and not as a single thing. Yeah. And I think that kind of hurts his impact a little bit. He's the biggest, baddest, scary dude. I don't... And all he does is kick a horse and kill an old man. All he does... He he kills the king of Rohan. Yeah. He also, like, incapacitates Eowyn for, like, how many weeks? Yeah. But that was the... That's the shock of the, the dark magic exploding in her face when she kills him. Right. It's not so... any active thing he did. But, I mean, that... We're, we're way... Right. We're, we're, Plus, we're okay, at the end of the I movie right now. I think that you can't overshadow... Um, like, I know Sauron is more of an esoteric threat than anything else, but I feel like your, um, your, your mid-level bosses or your, like, mini-bosses can't overshadow, like, the big boss at the end of the, the, the movie. I almost said video game. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think this, the trilogy kind of runs into that with, with Saruman, because Saruman feels so distinct and grandiose compared to all the other kind of bad guys in the trilogy i wouldn't say that saruman overshadows sauron it's hard because there's always this existential threat of sauron but because saruman is a fully acted performance there's so much more to kind of sink into yeah and really like really absorb and i think that you you need you need to have those characters when your threat is existential but at the same time, you occasionally run into the problem where another threat might kind of feel like it falls flat. And the the Witch King does for me to a certain extent, because ultimately it's supposed to be the hand of Sauron in this movie. Like that's that's the Witch King's like, role in the hierarchy. He's yeah. Sauron's right hand. And we don't see him do anything comparable to like Sauron mowing people down on the prologue, which would have been rad. Yeah. Like that would have been, I think that would have, something like that I think would have helped. Just a couple of minutes of him just... Throwing a dozen horses with, around. With, like, his mace and stuff. Yeah, with his big flail. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, a couple minutes or something like that. It doesn't have to be very long. Just more of an establishment of this guy's badass street cred. I just... I don't... I think it works for me. Because I think even inside... Like, even inside the battle with the Witch King, I feel like the most the most memorable part of the Witch King is his end, which it should be. Yeah. But other than that, I think most of what the Witch King does is overshadowed even by the Oliphants that precede him. Mm. Like 15 minutes prior in the movie. Because the Oliphants are so, like, big and out of proportion compared to, like, everything else in this fantasy world. Right. We're, like, we're, we're, we're talking about stuff that we shouldn't be talking about for, like, an hour. Whatever. But, but yeah, there's, there's not necessarily a ton to talk about here. Gothmog is full of himself, though. Yes. I mean, we'll talk about it, but isn't that, like, one of your favorite scenes is a Gothmog scene? Oh, yeah. It's, like, one of, it's... He is full of himself. Oh, look at, look so at what good. he does. Gothmog is such a good orc villain in these movies. Like, and then he's beheaded by Aomer. Yeah. 
Amber's like, I don't have time for this. Gotcha. Get out of here. Which is fine, whatever. It's, it's perfectly reasonable for the, the cocky badass guy like this to meet an anticlimactic end. It's perfect. It's good. I appreciate stuff like that. It usually <laughs> makes me laugh. So, Gothmog's really full of himself here. The the age of men is over. The time of the orc is now. It's come. Has come. And then we, all these Gundaring soldiers are running for their lives and Asgul are swooping in and picking them up, dropping them on their heads. And there's an almost Wilhelm scream in this minute. Don't we get a Wilhelm scream this week? We're going to get it tomorrow. I'm nice. positive. Nice. Because there are two in this movie, right? Yes. Did we already have one? No. So there are two in like the back half almost. Or the, the, the back half. The back half now. We, were, we just I wish minute two. Or not <laughs> minute two. Hour, hour two. two. I <laughs> wish. Uh, see, there's a, there's... The back half. <laughs> I'm telling you. What are you? What planet are you living on? <laughs> my perception of how long this movie is is so skewed. Because it never, when I, when I actually sit down and watch it, it never feels like I watched a four-hour movie. It feels like I watched, like, maybe a two-hour and 20-minute movie. What the heck? Like, this this movie just does not feel that long to me at all. It's pretty heckin' long. It, always, I'm so drawn in, it just flies by, generally, when I actually sit down to watch it. Yeah. So then we get this scene of Gandalf riding out to meet the, the soldier rest of the... Okay. Now, does, does, does that whole thing with the people on the wall feel a little weird to you? Yeah. That's because this scene was shot to happen when when Pippin and Gandalf arrive at Minas Tirith. That's why Pippin's on the horse and they just use the footage. Oh, weird. That's why this is in broad daylight. Because this scene was shot to happen when they arrive at Minas Tirith. Oh, so Gandalf just like rolls up to Minas Tirith. And, and sees and the Nazgul chasing like, these guys. Oh my god. And then he's just like, gotcha. <laughs> Interesting. That's the only, that, like, uh, why would Pippin be on the horse? Right. Why would Gandalf take Pippin out into this situation? Uh, to keep him out of trouble. That is exactly the joke Ian McKellen makes in the commentary. Nice, really? <laughs> can't trust Pippin by himself. Gotta keep him close. Well, okay, the safest place in Middle-earth right now is probably with Gandalf. Yeah, but Denethor would have been like, no, you're not taking my squire anywhere. It's not his squire. Might as well be. He treats him like a little punk. He makes him stand in his hall. He's a guard in the Citadel. It's like, you're going to guard me. You're going to stay right here. He and treats like, him like those, a hostage against Gandalf. Those freaking guards don't do anything. I know. So like, but yeah, this is squire. The squire. Attend me, squire. <laughs> he treats Pippin like a hostage against Gandalf. Not, uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But that's, that's always the vibe I get from Denethor. It's a, it's a chip. It's power. It's a, it's part well, of, of his, his power, power play. play. But I don't, uh, well, yeah. We'll talk about it more. The age of men is over, Norman. <laughs> Yeah, we do get this really pretty shot of the Nazgul in the sky and the clouds coming over and just the, the light on one side of the frame and this big shadow over the men. I like the wide shot where you see Gandalf on one side on the horse, like very stark, and then the Nazgul. Yeah. So another thing dudes. you might notice about this, uh, talking about how this was originally supposed to be uh, set where Gandalf arrives in Minas Tirith. Yeah. Is... The sky doesn't reach as far as it did last time we saw the darkness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more clear sky than there was last time we actually saw this. Right, because the clouds had already, like... Almost, had already come up to Minas Tirith, pretty much. Yeah. So this is this shot is just a holdover. Something else they shot that they used for this, because they really liked How this scene. Looked. Yeah. But they, they never went back and reshot it or anything. So they did this. Yeah. I like the way this shot is composed. It's, like, right at the end of the minute, almost. With the three Nazgul and the shadow from the clouds. Yeah. Mountain. And then you see Gandalf. Yeah, just little tiny Gandalf. Uh, Probably the coolest, uh, like, 
camera tracking shot is in the whole trilogy is tomorrow. Mm. It's a like there's some really beautiful stuff with Gandalf on Shadowfax here. Nice. I've said my piece about this minute for the most part. I, I guess actually one more quick note. Richard Taylor in the commentary says that he thinks they should have made Gothmog have a darker skin tone. They he feels like they aired too much in making him really light and pale to stand out from the other works. But I actually straight up disagree with Richard Taylor about that. Mm. I think it's really good that Gothmog looks so different. He looks nasty. Yeah. He like twitches and he's covered in all these like tumors and sores or they they say he was inspired more by elephantitis, but it looks like tumors to me because it's all like sore and bubbly. Blech. So it's just like ugh, gross. But yeah. He him a gross. Gothmog. Gothmog the gross. Anyway, it's Wednesday, my dudes. Um, <laughs> we're from the website DuelingGenre.com. Check us out there. Check out some of the other Dueling Genre Movies by Minute podcasts if you haven't already. There are 10 others, so check them out. Go listen to them. Do it up. Support the site. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about um, this mess. <laughs> yeah, this This cluster. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. That line is so iconic, so I just want to say it all the time. The, the age of men is over. The time <laughs> of the orc has come. Bye. Bye. Genre.